And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome back to another edition of the Can't Wait podcast. If you joined us hoping for a Bills-Jets preview, you came to the wrong place. We're not talking about that game. There is no point in talking about the Bills and Jets on Sunday. We want to talk about what you want to talk about, though. So we're going to open this one up. A lot of mailbag questions coming in. We already got a lot over Twitter. Get them in, though, as well in the chat if you're watching us live on YouTube. We're also going to talk about some of the stuff that went down today with Adam Gase talking to the media and Connor. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Give us a five-star review on Apple. Uh, lots to get to. And, Connor, we are prime time again tonight. I'm excited for the numbers. Yeah, so am I. I'm, I'm excited to see how many how many come in. I've been having a, uh, a good couple days. Uh, I've been uh, good, good things going on, enjoying it, being able to kind of turn my brain off from some of this Jets football for a while and then kind of refocus myself. And I'd say, you know what, what, like, I honestly enjoy. This is totally off topic, but it wouldn't be the show if we didn't start out this way. <laughs> um, obviously everyone knows big, big video gamer. Like I, I shouldn't say big video gamer. Like I play you like can the share your games. Twitch account if you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, big, like I, I play like my same like video game, like that everyone would play. Like I play like sports games, but I'm vetoing Madden this year. Uh, call of duty, that kind of thing. So like call of duty does like their, uh, I guess little thing, whatever for Halloween, they have like special, like things that are going on so right now there's like zombies and there's like all this funny stuff blah 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 yada yada this is this that is that um but like one of the things that they introduced and it kind of started with like Fortnite, is this whole like um skins thing where you can be like different characters and you can buy different skins and like last night i'm playing it because they come out with like the jigsaw guy from saw and they come out with all these things and i'm sitting there and i'm watching and i'm like man i was like when i was a kid and like games would come out with this stuff like I remember having to like go up and ask my dad for like $10 so that I could like get his credit card to like buy these things. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, oh, do I need it? And finally I was like, you know what, man? I was like, I'm a grown ass man sitting here playing my grown ass game. I was like, I have like grown up money now. I was like, I'm going to buy all the skins. I'm buying all of them. So I was like, screw this. I'm like, I'm in a good mood. I bought the jigsaw guy. I bought the other guy. I'm buying all. I was like, man, I was like, this is like the best part of being an adult. Like when kids, kids ask me like next time, like whenever I meet like a little kid or like my godson gets old enough where he starts asking like, Connor, what's it like to be a grown up? I'm like, I'm going to tell you what it's like to be a grown up. I was like, when you're playing video games and you want to buy the skin, you don't have to ask anyone. You can just go buy it. You can just, and I was like, I wish I could like tell my younger self that that's going to be your life someday, that you won't have to ask permission to buy anything. You'll just, you'll just be able to get it. At least I'm going to live this way until I have kids. And then like, obviously you got diapers to pay for and like all this shit. And then, you know, I'm basically going to be on a Brie budget, which is going to suck. But uh, that's what I'm enjoying. Live in the moment. I had a similar conversation with a friend, um, I think about a month ago. Um, We were discussing just like, hey, what are you doing in this pandemic when you can't really do anything? And he was like, you know, man, I was just having a thought that when I was a little kid, I really wanted this Kirby Puckett rookie baseball card. Really wanted it. (laughs) And I, and I couldn't get it. It was too much. 
I couldn't ask my parents for money for that. He's like, so it popped into my head. So he went on eBay and he looked it up and it was like 28 bucks. And he was like, you know what? I've wanted this card since I was nine years old. And he went and he ordered it on eBay. Got the Kirby Puckett rookie card of his dreams. Uh, Same thing. Yeah, yeah. little perks to being an adult. Um, You know, with it comes responsibility sometimes. Although... Connor's responsibility to be on the show on time never comes through. So. Yeah, I screwed that one up. I mean, I was only like, well, the thing is, it's like I said, like you guys know, like Bree's a nurse, so she's working tonight, so she's gonna be home in probably like thirty or forty minutes. She's get she's shifts done seven thirty. She works the seven thirty to seven thirty or seven to seven thirty. She'll be home at like eight thirty. Um, but like the one thing I always do is like I know I'm gonna get I'm gonna piss her off like in some way, shit like my existence. She's gonna come home after a twelve hour shift. She's gonna be moody because obviously I would be too if I worked twelve hours in a row. And, like, I know I'm going to piss her off. So, like, I usually go around the house and, like, try to do things that, like, eliminate the variable. Like, the Jets try to eliminate the variables for Sam Darnold. I, I try to eliminate at it. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not. But <laughs> I try to eliminate the variables of Brie getting pissed off at me. So, like, I'll go around. I'll find little things. Like, I always run the Roomba, which is why Roomba's going to be driving past the uh, the opening here in a little bit because he's out there running. Because at least the carpet will get the lines. We're in an apartment, so the carpet will get the lines. That usually makes Brie happy always make the bed if the bed's made she comes out it's like one less thing and then like she'll get pissed off about other things that like i didn't do or that i forgot like but fine but like at least i'll get like she walks in carpet doesn't piss her off walks in beds made it like lessens the degree of me getting yelled at so i was like that's why i was a little late today because I, I had to get to the gym so i got home from the gym and i was like shit it's 7 20 but like this podcast is gonna go easily longer like brie will be home by the time like the podcast we're still talking i was like i gotta go i gotta make sure this shit's done otherwise because if she comes in and like things are out of like there's dishes in the sink, the dishwasher's not done, the bed's a mess. There's gonna be a brinado swarming around here, and I don't know what degree it's gonna be. It might be F three, it might be F four. We might see a good one, and that's like again, I'm trying to keep my head on my shoulders, so I got to uh, I didn't eat some stuff up, so that's why I was like three minutes late. That is by far the best excuse that you've had for being. Yes. Late. Oh, mean, it's if true. You though. could just like, go with true. like I appreciate you're doing you. things to make Brie happy every time. We'll we'll just yeah. let it slide. Oh, most of the time I'm just late. Like I like I say I'm gonna be, like we're gonna start at nine o'clock and I wake up at eight thirty and I'm like, yeah, and he goes and back to sleep. I stay in bed till nine forty five. Who, yeah, I stay who in- texts their coworkers? Please be ready at this time. And then it's like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm gonna go back to bed. Oh, you know the and I sit here like twiddling our thumbs. Like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> you know what's bad? So like two weeks ago, I got home from like the Jets have practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I got home from practice. I was so tired. I took a nap. Next day, I did the same thing. My body now, as soon as I walk in the door from work is like, oh, it's nap time. And like, I'm legitimately tired. So like I had like a hu- I'm still finishing, but I had like a huge cup of coffee. I was reared up. I was about to write my story, wrote, wrote a story that we just ran on, on the on the site and stuff like that. I'm like geared up, ready to go. And all of a sudden, like, I'm like, why the hell am I so tired? It's like, oh, no, my body's in like the you get home from work on Wednesday nap time. You got to take a nap. So like literally before the gym, I was like, all right, I'm going to done in plenty of time. going to get home, finish this story, publish it send, or send it to Chris, have him edit it. He's going to publish it, get to the gym and then come home and I'll be like, eat dinner. I'll be ready to go. Nope. I had to take an hour long nap. Like it's like, but it's like, I'm, oh, it's terrible. But it was fun because like I get on the couch, dog comes over, lays right on your chest. And as soon as that happens, I'm out. Like that's it. Like that's like <laughs> yeah. comfy paradise. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm passed out for an hour. Yeah. All right, but now we are, we are ready. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, so before we get to the mailbag, let's uh, factor in a little bit into into Adam Gase. He spoke today, like he does um, 
many times throughout the week. But some key updates on the injury front. Let's start there, Connor. Uh, Darnold still very questionable as far as if he can play Sunday. But big news offensively, we could potentially see Mims, Perryman, Crowder on the same football field on Sunday. And if this team wasn't 0-6, you would think, all right, here we go. Here we go with this team. But at least it'll be something to see those three guys. And regardless of who the quarterback is, at least that quarterback will be equipped with weapons. It takes one more excuse away, I think, from this offense. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I kind of, I, I crack up a little bit with like the way the Jets talk about like getting these playmakers back. I mean, it's not like it's, it's Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce. It's not like it's, you know, John Taylor and Jerry Rice out there. I Although mean, Mims a, is like legit excitement. Well, I he think, finally, there, yeah. Cause he's, cause yes. he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mims at least gives fans something to watch. Like Mims is at least like the guy's second round pick. Now, the one thing is, the guy, again, like we've talked about this, he had no training camp. He had no OTAs. He had no mini camp. He came from a Baylor offense that, if you remember Bryce Petty's line where, oh, now I can read defenses in Madden that long. He gave that to Daryl Slater, my old co-worker at NJ.com. He dropped that line to him. Like, Baylor's offense isn't exactly NFL style. So, I mean, he's got he's got some catching up to do, but you'll at least see him on the field. Jets are going to target him. Jets are going to use him. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. This team... Looks very much like they're trending in the right direction. I mean, Sam Darnold practiced and and did team drills or some form of team drills today on Wednesday. Denzel Mims was out there in team drills on Wednesday. Makai Becton was out there in team drills on Wednesday. Now, with uh, Mims, I would be stunned if Mims doesn't play. Like, it's going to take a hamstring setback in terms of, like, he... um, and, you know, tweaks the left hamstring, which he hurt, and he tweaks the right string, right hamstring, which he hurt. Like, that's what will keep him off the field. As long as he has no hamstring setbacks, Mims is going to play. He's going to be in the lineup. So the Jets will have Brashad Perryman, Denzel Mims, and then Jamison Crowder. And, and when Adam Gase drew up this offense in the offseason, that's who he had. Denzel Mims was going to be this team's starting receiver outside Brashad Perryman. This wasn't going to be a slow acclimation. He was going to be the starter before you hurt his hamstring. Obviously, the hamstring derailed that. But those three guys barring a Mims hamstring setback, they're going to start. The two that are going to be questionable is Becton at left tackle and then Sam Darnold, the quarterback. Now, tomorrow is going to be the very telling moment because you're going to have, with those two guys, it's not necessarily about how you feel in the moment. It's not necessarily about can you shoot them up with with kind of medication to make them feel good. Um, it's, it's about how they feel the next day after doing this. So the Jets threw Sam Darnold out there. He was throwing. He looked fine. I didn't see like any less zip on his passes. I didn't see him, you know, kind of grabbing it after throwing. Man, I watched him on every throw. He looked like Sam Darnold. Uh, same thing with Becton. Like Becton looked like Makai Becton. The issue is that when these guys now go home, these guys sleep on it. These guys then wake up. How do those shoulders feel? And there's a chance that Sam Darnold wakes up and he goes to the medical team and is like, guys, I fucking, I mean, I freaking hurt. And if he says that then he's not going to play. And the same thing with Becton. Becton can say, I freaking hurt. And then, <laughs> and then whoops, I slipped. Uh, and Becton can say it. And then Becton's like, um, all right, I can't play it. So that's where it's like tomorrow is going to be a big tell. If Sam Darnold and Makai Becton are both able to practice in the same limited capacity on Thursday that they were able to practice on Wednesday, both those guys are going to start on Sunday and you'll see both of them out there. But like you said, Tim, at least these guys are getting healthy. And that's a, that's a sign that things are kind of moving in the right direction. And really, the last couple of weeks with Flacco in there at quarterback, there was really nothing to tune into the Jets for. But if you have Darnold out there, you have these receivers. That's something. Um, While the team did trade Steve McClendon, obviously, after last week's game, 
According to Adam Gase today, it's not a fire sale situation. So don't expect everybody to just start being cleared out of this team. At least that's what he said. But does that mean Marcus May is probably here to stay? Or is that the one guy that maybe still could get shipped? It says the guy whose job is on the line. Like, <laughs> he's like, certainly not the like, one that's no. going to be making the trades, right? No, he's not the one who's <laughs> signing off on any of this, man. He'd be trading. Knowing his job's on the line, he'd be trading first, second, third round picks to try to get some more talent in here to help save his ass. I mean, that's like, that's... that's that's a fa- obviously he's going to say that he freaking hopes it's not a fire sale because if it is he's the one who's going to lose his job um but no I, I think that anyone has a price and i think that's something that joe douglas has showed and and so if you're looking for guys that could potentially be on the market or guys that the jets would potentially be willing to trade just look at anyone who's on a one-year deal like i don't think the jets are going to trade quinn and williams like i think that it would take a ridiculous deal for them to trade quinn and williams the jets are not trading sam darnold i don't think the Jets would look to trade Jamison Crowder. I don't think the Jets would look to trade Chris Herndon. So, I mean, there are guys out there that are on a multi-year deals the Jets still have control over that even if they were guys drafted by Mike McCagnan, guys, they still want to develop and see what they can't do. I, I don't think that those are guys they'd be looking to move. The guys that could potentially be on the block and guys that could be moving around and guys that could potentially be traded, like I said, are those that are on the one-year deals, the deals that um, are players that could that are not part of this team's future. And and you can look at Jordan Jenkins, outside linebacker, a guy the Jets brought back on a one-year deal looking to prove himself. Hasn't really had the year he wanted. The odds that the Jets bring him back next year probably dwindling, especially as his play, you know, he he had the back-to-back, what was it, eight and seven sack seasons, whatever they were the last two years. Um, he's a guy that obviously you thought maybe he's going to be a double-digit sack guy. Clearly, that's not happening, and he's kind of more of what everyone thought he was, which is a hustle player who might will himself into five to eight sacks a year, but it was more just a run stopper. And for the Jets, the team that's desperately looking for pass rushing help, probably not a guy that's going to be coming back for the right price. If a team's going to be willing to offer the Jets a four, a team that's going to be willing to offer the Jets a not a three, but maybe a four or a five in this year's draft, that might be something that the Jets consider, considering their compensation picks after what's presumably going to be a very active free agency this year is not going to be as good. So you might want to move that guy for a three or four in this year's draft. That could be something they look to do. Marcus May, like you said, uh, a guy that if you believe he is strictly a free safety and you are not going to re-sign him next year, then again, he's a guy that if you can fetch a third round pick for Marcus May right now from a contender, you should probably consider moving him. And then you can roll with just Bradley McDougal and start Ashton Davis's process as this team's free safety, strong safety, whatever right now. Now I can say that what I've seen in practice last couple of days, what we saw in the game last week, it seems like the Jets actually might like Ashton Davis in that strong safety, versatile, do-it-all role, put Marcus May back as deep free safety, uh, use Ashton Davis as the guy who moves all around. If that's the case, maybe they do bring Marcus May back next year, and it's Marcus May and Ashton Davis as the pairing, and Bradley McDougal is the guy that goes. But May is someone who I would keep an eye on. Uh, Jordan Jenkins is somebody who I would keep an eye on. Um, Brian Poole, I, I would tent lean towards because he's on the one-year deal maybe keep an eye on him honestly though I don't I don't think the Jets would look to move him he's been a, a, a probably their best piece in the secondary this year uh, I think that he's somebody who um, has a future with this team still young a good nickel corner can kind of fit in any defensive scheme if I was Joe Douglas I'd look to bring him back next year on, on a three or a four-year deal so I don't know if I would necessarily move him but those would be probably the two main ones is is obviously Jordan and Marcus May would be the guys I would I would keep an eye on Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's get into the mailbag, Connor. And we have to start with what we were just talking about, basically, because people in the chat have jumped on the no fire sale situation because Jordan Willis also um, (laughs) traded. Yeah. (laughs) How the uh, so, hell did just get anything for that guy? So, that's amazing. And, and that's the question is, did they really get anything for that because of the fact that, you know, it's down the road trade and, and picks and it, did they really get anything back for Jordan Willis? Um, yeah, I mean, they moved up, right? If I, if I saw yeah. the, the deals right, as, as reported by NFL Network, they basically did the deal that they did with McClendon, which is you package the player and your seven and you get another six. So basically what the Jets have, yeah, what the Jets have done is they basically just taken two of their seventh round picks and turned them into sixth round picks uh, by getting rid of players that are not going to be part of this team moving forward. And Jordan Willis was a guy who's been inactive this year. And and the one thing that I will read into these last two trades is, hey, the fact that, that Joe Douglas was able to get anything for Jordan Willis is pretty like, I mean, that's not like a feather in Joe Douglas's cap, but it's kind of like if some team is willing to give you one pick up for Jordan Willis, like you do it, like obviously. Take it. I remember when I saw, I like actually I saw that when I woke up from my nap, and I was like, <laughs> somebody <laughs> traded for Jordan Willis. I was like, what? I was I kind of like had to make sure I wasn't still sleeping. Like that was like one of those where I was like pinching myself and like looking at the clock and like looking at all this stuff. It was like Jordan. Someone traded for Jordan. Willis. I was like, is there a different Jordan Willis? Like what? what am I like? Are we talking about George Willis? Like what? What's going on here? And like so when I saw it, I was like, okay cool i'm sure joe douglas even answered the phone like really okay i mean yeah sure we can do that but i I do read like one thing i do read into like the steve mclennan and and, uh jordan willis trades and and think about is that they're probably a sign that jabari zuninga the jets draft pick this year from florida is that he's about ready to to get going and and when he's healthy and when he's ready and he's kind of acclimated he's been practicing the last couple of weeks when he's ready to go, they're going to want to put him on the field because he's their do-it-all, Justin Tuck, Brandon Graham-like player. I mean, that's what Greg Williams kind of just uh, compared him to when we talked to him in the offseason. And I think that once he's able to get going, they're going to want him on the field. And they're not going to want Jordan Willis or, or Steve McClendon taking snaps from a guy that they've invested in and that they believe is going to be a big part of this defense moving forward. So um, that deal, I was kind of like stunned that it happened. I don't know if I would loop that into the fire sale necessarily. 
I think it was more just like, yeah, we'll we'll definitely move up from the seventh round to the sixth round. And at this point, what I think the Jets have like three or four sixth round picks at this point next year's draft. So I mean, they might they're gonna have their pick of the litter of who's ever uh, who's ever kind of a little bit further on down there. What else we have in the mailbag, Marissa? Um, we got a lot, but let's let's start with this one because I think you you tweeted about this today, Connor. Andrew Baker says, "When do we see Bryce Hall?" Yeah, so he's back at practice now. So uh, he's, I think, eligible to return. So his big thing was, like, he was on the COVID list. So he was one of the Jets that had COVID. But the real reason he was back, he was on this, like, uh, pup list, whatever, was because of his injury in college, that he just wasn't ready to play yet. So it was just going to take him some time. Uh, I think the Jets are probably going to – they're when he's ready to play, they're going to put him out there. I don't think it's going to be this week. I think you're probably going to wait, you know, probably two or three more weeks until he actually sees the field because, again, this is a guy – who hasn't played football since college. And it was like midway through his college season. So it has been a very long time since he's been back on the field when he is ready to go though, as Adam Gase alluded to today, it's all hands on deck. I mean, they don't, they don't have uh, the luxury right now of um, waiting too, too long. I mean, their, their secondary is pretty banged up. I mean, they're, they're a pretty injury depleted team. They need anyone who can play, get the hell out there. So they're going to take their time with Bryce Hall in terms of like they want, they're not going to rush him out there. They're going to make sure he's ready, but you're going to see the guy play in probably two or three weeks when he gets back out there. I, I compare his situation actually to bless Austin last year, where he was a guy who got hurt in college, needed some time a to get healthy before he could practice. Then once he could practice, he needed to get out there and get his sea legs back. And then once he did, the jets had him on the field playing. I think you're going to see the same thing with Bryce Hall. So it won't be this week. I don't believe, uh, but you'll probably see him with the next two or three. All right. This one is, this is probably the biggest thing. Thing facing the Jets right now, at least in the public persona as they head towards the draft and potentially that number one pick. Uh, Thomas has the question, but I, I know it's out there everywhere. Is there actually a world where Trevor Lawrence goes back to school if the Jets have the number one pick? Is that something NFL folks are actually saying or is it just Twitter nonsense? It's just it's it's the same conversation that you hear every single year with the top quarterback and the worst team in the league. It's the quarterback <laughs> You know, Baker Mayfield wasn't supposed to want to play for the Cleveland Browns. Joe Burrow wasn't supposed to want to play for the the Cincinnati Bengals. Like it, it, the list goes on and on and on. It's just usually if you are picking top pick in the draft, you're not a very good team. And when you're not a very good team, everyone likes to pile on you. You're winless. You stink. You're never going to do it. The culture is toxic. Like everyone wants to pick on the team that's picking number one, with the exception, I think, of probably the Indianapolis Colts who seemed to like totally fluke their way into the top pick when they took Andrew Luck. And it was because they had, I was just going to say, although they're the team that John Elway wouldn't play for way back when. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like way back when, but like, like that year it was like the Colts would have been a Super Bowl contender if Andrew or if uh, Peyton Manning hadn't gotten hurt. So like, that's why they were picking number one, like stunner. They couldn't make it work with uh, Kerry Collins. And I forget who the other one was a Curtis painter. I think it might've been like, but I know it was Kerry. I remember Kerry Collins being over there. Um, like it happens every single year. Like the hot topic and the thing that everyone can always debate is like the quarterback doesn't want to go and play for X team. And this guy doesn't want to play for this team. So he's going to go back to school in today's day and age. It is not where I would be. I would be absolutely stunned if Trevor Lawrence went back to school. There is so much crap that can go wrong by a guy returning to school and playing again and you're foregoing so much money. I mean, who was the kid, the South Carolina running back who went back to school, tore up his knee, and never really played again? Like, how much money 
did that kid lose? He was going to be a top 10 pick. He goes back to school, gets hurt, never plays again. Uh, Matt Barkley went back to USC. People said, like, that guy was going to be a first-round pick. Dropped to, like, the third or fourth round where the Eagles took him. What like, If he came out when he did, like, the, the lessons are all there and the risk that is out there, especially with a Clemson team that they're going to be in the college football playoffs. Like, they're, like, Trevor Lawrence isn't just playing the regular season. He's going to the playoffs, and when he goes to the playoffs, he's playing some damn good defenses from the SEC. He's going to be playing guys that are coming after him, and if his, it, all it takes is one hit. Look what happened to Dak. Guy was an MVP candidate this year. Dak Prescott has one little bootleg this past w- or two weeks ago. Goes off to the sideline, fluke play, ankle basically explodes on television, and now you're wondering, you're questioning now, that guy's in the last year of his contract. Is he going to get the same money? Is he going to get the same deal? He suddenly, is he ever going to be the same player when he gets back out well, there? Well, the way the it's, Cowboys looked without him, I don't know. <laughs> he uh, might be getting more money. Don't rip on my fellow ginger. Up. Yeah. <laughs> don't rip on my fellow ginger, Andy Dalton. Don't rip on him. Ginger no, I'm not. I'm not ripping on him at all. I'm just saying, like... Yeah, you're just saying he can't Dak play quarterback because he's got red to hair. Hold that. That's what you're saying. <laughs> no, Connor. Yeah. Uh, but no, like seriously, like the guy, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick in the draft. When he's the number one pick in the draft, he's going to be guaranteed 30 to $40 million, whatever the rookie salary cap is next year. You can't turn that down because you don't feel like playing for the Jets. And like, it's just, it's not true. And honestly, if Trevor, knowing everything that I've heard about Trevor Lawrence, the leader, the guy in the spotlight, the guy that believes he can do it, he's going to look at the Jets as like, I want to, I want to turn this around. I want to reap the glory. I want to go to New York. I want to be the guy that makes the Jets a Super Bowl contender. I want to be, I want to be the number one pick. He goes back to Clemson. And he and what happens to him or what happens to Tua? Look what happened to Tua with it with his with his hip. Like he got lucky. Like that. What if that? What if that didn't happen with Tua? We don't even know if Tua is ever going to be the same guy. No one's seen him play. Like we're going to finally get a chance to see him play now. But there was no preseason where we got to see Tua even play. So well, he didn't no, play like this week. He's yeah, well, he two like two. three plays, five snaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't really count. Like well, now you're going to see him, but, but you don't know if he's going to have the same mobility, if he's going to have right. the same motion, if he's going to be the same player that he was before that ugly hip injury, which again is a total fluke. You don't want to risk it. Like I can sometimes see guys like Prescott playing on the deal because you're still like he's still getting paid. Like the guy still got his franchise tags, quarterback salary this year, so he's still. I mean. His family's set for life. He's just a matter of setting them extra for life. Like he's mad, he's working on setting up the great 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 grandkids right now. Like everyone else is pretty much already taken care of with the fifty million dollars he's made the last two years or whatever it is. But Trevor Lawrence hasn't made a dime playing football. He can get the insurance policy, but that's not going to pay out what it would. You cannot go back to school if you're him. Like it's just if people who are saying it, the talking heads that are saying it, the players that are saying it, everyone's like, like Roddy White came out of college, dude. Roddy White got his money. Like anyone who's saying it, put yourself in the kid's position. He's guaranteed $30 million basically if he comes out. Like I think it's even more than that. I got to look at the exact numbers of what the number one pick signing bonus is. But that contract's going to be fully guaranteed. Every penny of it's going to be fully guaranteed. You're setting your family up for life with that money. He's not going back to Clemson. I would be stunned if he goes back to Clemson. It's just, it's not smart. It's not worth the risk. The so one- it can stop. It's the hot topic everyone wants to talk about. Just stop talking about it. Seriously, yeah. it's it's dumb. It's it's just because no one else has anything else to, to bitch about and moan about and complain about. So the Jets are the easy shot that they're going to take. The one other play is, I guess, what Eli Manning did, which was he was actually drafted number one by the Chargers, but said he wasn't going to play for them and basically forced that was a trade. A funky- yeah, it was different. Now, here's though. the thing. Very different because the reason why Eli Manning said he didn't want to play for the Chargers is not because he didn't want to play for the Chargers. His dad, Archie, and Eli both realized that the Chargers were not going to be able to pay Eli Manning. That was their thing. It was not that Eli Manning didn't want to play for the Chargers. When you go back and read more about it, Eli believed 
that they were not good because that was back when there was no rookie salary cap. Like right. you negotiated your rookie contract. They didn't think the Chargers are going to pay Eli what he wanted to. And guess what? Eli Manning was right because Philip Rivers, the whole reason why Drew Brees started that first year was because Philip Rivers didn't show up to training camp until halfway through because the Chargers weren't paying Philip Rivers. And this is the same thing that happened with Bosa. It's the same thing that's happened past. So the Chargers had this reputation of being incredibly cheap. And Eli Manning and Archie Manning saw that and were like, screw that, man. We don't want to go to that. Christopher Johnson's not cheap. The Jets aren't cheap. It's a rookie salary cap. He's going to get that contract. So it's not, it doesn't matter. Like it's a, it's a different day and age. Like if that's what it was, like it it was more financial there with the chargers than it was like, I don't want to play for the chargers. So I'm not going to do it. And I think you really got to go back to like, well, I guess Peyton went back to Tennessee, but I mean, again, like it's, it's a different day and age. Like you've seen now quarterbacks get hurt. You've seen guys get hurt where their draft stocks ruined. You just can't, it's not worth the risk. It's not worth the risk. All right. This is a good question from Emily. Um, She says, is there any chance that the Jets use their high draft position and actually build around Sam in 2021? Like they've been promising since he was drafting, or is it really now all in for a new quarterback? And then I like this. She put the sad emoji. (laughs) I thought you were going to add something else. Then there's a sad emoji. To be honest, to be honest, the sad emoji. The sad emoji is understood in all these questions. Yes. There we go. <laughs> I, I'm pretty, I, like, yeah, I don't know how I'm not a sad emoji. You should see me on Sundays. Where I'm basically <laughs> like, why am I doing this? Um, but yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so here's my opinion on it. And this is, I don't think it's quarterback in the first round. I don't think the Jets are in the market for a quarterback. If the Jets are picking two, three, four, five, six, they are not looking at fields. They're not looking to move up to number one to get Trevor Lawrence. Like, this isn't like it's, we need a quarterback because Sam Darnold sucks. What you're saying is that if you are in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence, that's what we're saying. If you are in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence, you have to draft Trevor Lawrence. This guy is a generational player. You cannot be known as the guy that Pat or the team that passes up on the generational player because you think you might have a franchise quarterback in Sam Darnold. What you have right now in Sam Darnold is a guy that there are still the people in the organization, Adam Gase, Christopher Johnson, Joe Douglas, they still believe that 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 Sam Darnold has franchise quarterback qualities. The problem is that it's all thinking. It's all assuming. It's all projecting. It's all hoping. There's no concrete evidence that Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback right now. He has not progressed this season. You can blame the million things that we've discussed ad nauseum on this podcast in writing everything, but still, you don't know for certain if you fix all of those things, if Sam Darnold's going to be Josh Allen, or if this is just who Sam Darnold is. He's the guy who's going to make some plays. He's going to miss some plays. He can be a good quarterback on a very good team, but he's not going to elevate the play of those around you. What you cannot risk is passing up on Trevor Lawrence to roll the dice on Sam Darnold, when also you loop in the fact that this is a guy who's in year four and has never played a complete NFL season. You just can't run the risk on that. So this isn't a, the Jets are in the market for a quarterback with their first round pick. This is that if the Jets are in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence, a guy who I talked to multiple scouts, including one from the Indianapolis Colts, who said this is a guy who's going to receive a higher grade than Andrew Luck did. I talked to personnel directors around the league, including one that told me this is a kid who's as much of a can't-miss prospect as anyone else, and the most impressive thing is that he has been in the spotlight since he's been 10 years old, and he has succeeded and exceeded expectations every step of the way. This is a guy who is the can't-miss player, so you can't pass on him. It's not 
the Jets are in the market for a quarterback. It is if you have an option to draft Trevor Lawrence, you draft Trevor Lawrence organically. If you're picking two, three, four, then you build around Sam Darnold. You take Jamar Chase and get the receiver. You take another offensive lineman. You get the elite level pass rusher if you think that's there, but most likely an offensive lineman or a receiver. This isn't the Jets are in the market for a quarterback. This is if Trevor Lawrence is there, you can't be known as the team that passes up on Trevor Lawrence. You can't be known as the team that potentially passes up on a Hall of Fame quarterback because you think you might have a, a, a decent player in Sam Darnold. You take Trevor Lawrence, you trade away Sam, or if you're not in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence organically, you draft the best player available and you continue to build around Sam. Those are like the two options the Jets are facing. This is the most optimistic question that I've seen in a while from a Jets fan, so I have to throw it in here even though I, I know what the answer is. I think we all know what the answer is. It's from All Business Skeet. He says, do you agree or disagree with this statement? The Jets are in a much better position than it looks like on the surface. Uh, uh, um, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. It depends on how you, you view them, right? So like, if you view this as a team that has been rebuilding since 2017 and this is the position they're in right now where they're steamrolling towards 0 and 16 no they're not i mean this is it literally in 2017 is when mike mccagney began this rebuild he rebuilt in 2017 2018 2019 joe douglas took over joe douglas is now at a year in 2020 when this is where you are look at the miami dolphins the miami dolphins started their rebuild last year they blew it all up after firing adam gase they were tanking they have their quarterback in Tua. They're just giving them the starting job. They're three and three and are legitimately in the conversation for like that final wild card spot. Like they are a game out of first place in the AFC East, and they were tanking last year. When you compare that to the Jets, who have been rebuilding since 2017, and they are about to go in 16, no, they're not. If you take this, okay, this is year one of Joe Douglas's rebuild, then yeah, honestly, the Jets aren't in that horrific of a spot. There are no ugly contracts on this roster anymore. The one that's not that pretty is Henry Anderson. The Jets can completely get out from underneath that next year. You don't like the Greg Van Roten. You don't like the George Font contracts. The Jets can get out from both of those contracts after this year. So from a salary cap perspective, team salary perspective, there is no ugly contract on the Jets roster where they are tied to any one player where you're like, man, this guy sucks and we're still paying him X amount of money. That's all gone after next year so that you don't have to worry about any of that. Um, they are in a very good position in the draft where they have two first-round picks this year. They have two first-round picks next year. They have multiple picks from the Seattle Seahawks. And depending on who they trade off here at the deadline, they will have multiple drafts. So they are in a position to bolster this roster pretty heavily in the draft with foundational pieces in the first round, in the second round, in the third round, both this year and next year. Because of the fact they don't have all of these crazy team-killing contracts, they are in a position to go out and sign whomever they want to sign in free agency in 2020 or to that. Yeah, this coming free agency in 2020, 2021 or 2022 when Allen Robinson could be there. Juju could be there. Kenny Galladay could be there. Brandon Sheriff could be there. Joe Tooney could be there. They're in a position, unlike many other teams, where they can go out and be active players when they don't have to trim their roster because they don't have any of these team killing contracts. So if you look at it in a um, bigger picture, yeah, the Jets aren't in that bad of a position because they're going to have their pick of quarterbacks or coaches this coming off season. They're going to have their pick of potentially Trevor Lawrence at number one overall. They're going to have the additional draft picks to, to build foundational pieces. They're going to have the money to sign guys in free agency. All oh, that's good. That that is that is a good position for a team to be in. 
when you compare it, though, like we said, to the fact that they've been technically rebuilding since 2017, no, they, they're in a dreadful position. So it's kind of, you can answer it both ways, that way or obviously the the other way. So honestly, like, I think they're in fine position right now. If you're looking at this as the beginning of the rebuild, you're in fine position. So if you just started rooting for the Jets last year, you're gold. Golden. You're golden, man. Golden. Yeah. All right. Golden. What's next, Marissa? Um, this one is from Brian Blake. What position group um, are we focusing on with the Seahawks pick in the first round that we acquired from the Jamal trade? I'm I'm, t- I'm tweeting out this uh, preview to keep getting. <laughs> what will Crickets. the Jets be looking at in the NFL draft this year? Yeah, sorry, you. I wasn't really sure. What, I should have texted you actually and been like, "Hey, what's the next question?" So I could have keyed it up and then just being able to hit enter. But doing it real time is hard. And I'm not a good multitasker. Would you like me to reread the question, Connor? No, no, no. It was what position they're going to target with the Seahawks, right? With the, yeah, yeah, with the Seahawks pick. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's not going to be a great pick. I mean, there's a chance that's 32. Like, the Seahawks are a good team. Like, they're a very good team. I mean, they're good on offense. They're good on defense. They've got Russ playing at an MVP level. I mean, you're that. that's a really freaking good team. And I feel like they're good every single year. Like, that's what's amazing about the Seahawks is that the Seahawks actually underwent a blow up the team. And their worst season was like eight and eight. And then they were back to like 10 and six, 11 and five the next year. Like, it's unbelievable what that front office has done, what the coaching staff's done. I mean, they are the model of consistency. And it's it's really, it's pretty remarkable, honestly. But um, that picks worst case scenario, like best case scenario for the Jets is probably in like the mid 20s, like maybe early 20s. Like that's the best case scenario for the Jets right now. So um, I, I think that what you're going to be looking at is the quote unquote best player available. And I think the Jets could go with receiver there. I mean, you saw CD Lamb, Jerry Judy kind of fall into that realm this year. I mean, teams kind of don't value receivers as highly as they would. Chase isn't going to be there, obviously, but they could find a receiver that low. Obviously, pair him with go him, Mims, Crowder. Those are your one, two, three receivers next year. And then Chris Herndon, hopefully, you're hoping for a bounce back season. Um, you could look offensive line. This Jets offensive line. Uh, when healthy, is better than what they were last year, but it's still in the very beginning stages of your rebuild. Connor McGovern is a player you believe is going to be this team's starting center next year. Mekhi Becton, obviously, is your franchise left tackle. You can still improve left guard, right guard, and right tackle if you don't believe in George Font or Chuma Adaga. So that could be another piece they go there. I think that what the Jets will be doing is kind of hammering down on what they can't get in free agency. So that's, usually, that's one of the best things that I've been told um, in – in my years covering the NFL, talking to agents, talking to execs, talking to like them about how you kind of approach it, their best way or the best thing that they can say is if you want to know what a team's going to do in the draft, look at what they did in free agency. So if a team goes heavy on the defensive line in free agency, usually they're not going to target a defensive lineman pretty early. If they go heavy in receiver, they're not going to go there. When I look at free agency this coming year, there's a chance, like we just mentioned, Allen Robinson is there. Kenny Dalladay is there. Juju's going to be there. If the Jets are able to sign one of those guys, you're pairing them with Denzel Mims, a guy that they believe has wide receiver one potential, even though we haven't seen it yet, and then Jamison Crowder. That receiving core, Juju or Kenny Galladay or Allen Robinson with Denzel, with Crowder, that's fine. You've got three guys. You're good. Like, those are your three receivers. You're fine. You then have Chris Herndon. So what are you going to do? What else do you need? That's when you look for offensive linemen, I think pass rusher, or I think cornerback. I think all of those guys come into play there in the in the middle tiers. The other options, if somebody starts falling, Joe could trade up to go get them. But um, I think that's probably what you're you're looking at is that it could be a receiver, could be offensive lineman, could be pass rusher, could be cornerback. 
But I would look, I would obviously, this is kind of cheapscaping the question, but I would look at what the Jets do in free agency. If they take care of receiver in free agency, I would up the ante that they're going to grab another offensive lineman, pass rusher, or corner there in, uh, with, with that Seahawks pick. They could end up picking 32 33. That'd be interesting. Um, all right, next one's yeah, from. Yeah, actually, right. That yeah. would be. Let's go Mets and Jets. Wow. Oh, that's man. Rough, man. I'm sorry. I mean, there's you so many Knicks in there, too. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, throw Knicks in there and be like, man, you need you need booze. You need some alcohol. <laughs> we'll, we have we'll a few questions that. about that, too. We'll get to those. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's go Mets and Jets says, when do the Jets have to decide on Darnold's fifth year option? Uh, I forget the exact date. It's coming. It's like this offseason. Okay. It's not during this year. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it's this offseason. I haven't even looked into the specifics of that, but it's it's this coming offseason. So the Jets will pick it up. Um but if, if like, look, the Jets are going to know if they're taking Trevor Lawrence as soon as they know if they have the number one pick. Like that's that's it. Like the Jets will know what they're doing there at at Trevor Lawrence or not after the season. If they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, then odds of them picking up Sam Darnold's fifth year option are slim. And what they will probably do is trade Sam Darnold and then give the next team the choice of is that team going to pick up Sam Darnold's fifth year option or is that team not going to pick up Sam Darnold's fifth year option? Like that's what I think would happen because you don't want to pick up a fifth year option for Sam have that knock off the number of teams that would potentially want to trade for him. Now, if the Jets are picking, say, three, four, five in the draft, they're not going to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence. Then they're going to pick up the fifth-year option on Sam. Like, that's just what you'll do. You'll you'll ride Sam in year four. You'll confirm that you've got a chance for Sam Darnold in year five, and you'll be fine. So um, it'll be it'll be this offseason they'll decide. But you'll know if they're going to pick up the, the Darnold fifth-year option once they know what they're going to do um, in the draft, which they'll know if they're picking number one or not. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Okay, so we've touched on this a few times, um, but let's just spell it out again. This is from Tom and Jets Life News. Who do you actually see getting moved at the deadline? Um, that's a tough one because I don't. The tough thing is like the Jets are the Jets are zero six. They are the undisputed. <laughs> <They> yeah, <laughs> the Jets are zero six. They're the undisputed worst team in the NFL. They can't throw the ball. They can't catch the ball. They can't run the ball. They can't block overly well right now because everyone's hurt. Uh, they can't tackle. They can't pressure the quarterback. They can't cover anyone. They've lost every single game by more than one possession. Um, they haven't been close. They keep getting worse, not better. So you look at this roster and it's like, is anyone even wanted? Like, who wants any of these guys? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's you look at the like no one like you're not exactly picking the, the carcass of the Seattle Seahawks or the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens. You're picking the carcass of guys that aren't helping a winless team even compete. So it's kind of tough to be like, oh, people are going to want these guys. So maybe contenders come in and like Avery Williamson would be a guy because Greg Williams, for whatever reason, hates every hates every Williamson. Greg Williams literally, until the Jets cut him, was willing to play Alec Ogletree over Avery Williamson. Like Alec Ogletree, a freaking awful. Like that watching him trot that guy out every week was was enough to make anyone drink. Like that was just I, I just did not understand that at all. So Avery Williamson is a guy that could go. Marcus May could go. Jordan Jenkins could go. Like I said, those are the three guys I would watch. As far as are they going to move any of them? I mean, the Jets aren't going to sell those guys for like sixth rounders. Like they're not going to go give Marcus May up for a sixth rounder. But if you're 
the Kansas City Chiefs, are you willing to trade, you know, a four for a guy that you're like, you know, he's not really playing all that well with the Jets. Like, why would I give up that? You know what I mean? So yeah, I tend but, to believe. But you see all these guys leave Adam Gase and they I become mean, great. Yeah, right. So maybe like look yeah. at Robbie Anderson. I mean. Robbie, Kenyon Drake, yeah, Tannehill, all those yeah, guys. Yeah, um, the amount of times Robbie the issue is these guys are all, all these guys we're talking about are guys that are sucking on defense. So it's like it's it's different there. Like it's Adam Gase doesn't sure. have anything to do with that side of the ball. Um, I I honestly believe, I, truthfully, I mean I could be wrong here, but I think the Jets aren't going to be as active as people think. Like fire sale, yeah. If anyone calls and offers a three for Marcus May, the Jets are going to deal do the deal. I just don't necessarily believe anyone's going to be offering a, a three for Marcus May. So it's not like these guys aren't on the block. It's not like the Jets are willing to move these guys. I just don't think the Jets are going to get a, a, a pack of picks that makes them enticed to actually trade them. So I honestly tend to believe that I, I don't think the Jets are going to be that active. Like, I think that there's the chance, obviously, that if some team contender comes in. But like, again, you're talking about positions here. 34 inside linebacker, you know, you're uh out of uh, run stuffing outside linebacker, uh, a free safety that can only really play deep center field. These aren't exactly positions that are super coveted in the NFL. You know what I mean? It's not like the jets are selling a guy that has the capability of having 12 sacks. You know, it's not like they're selling a guy that always finds himself around the ball with like six or seven picks a year. They're selling a guy that like, he doesn't let anyone behind him. Cool. An inside linebacker. That's always around the ball, but can't cover cool. An outside linebacker that really, can only stop the run cool like these these aren't like coveted positions in the nfl they're going to take a team that you know it's not going to suddenly make the baltimore ravens baltimore ravens acquiring jordan jenkins or marcus may or avery williamson is not something going to make them the undisputed best team in the nfl like that's not going to happen so that's why i kind of tend to feel like the vast majority of these players who again are pretty much going to be rentals because they're all in one-year contracts anyway i tend to believe they're probably going to end up staying with the jets all right, this one's from Gus, and this is a question I think a lot of fans think about. Is tanking a real thing in professional sports? And if so, are the Jets now in tanking mode or just a bad team that's poorly coached? Bad team that's poorly coached. Yeah. Bad, mm-hmm. a, bad, a bad team with less talent that's poorly coached. The Jets did not enter this season with thoughts of getting the number one pick in the draft. They entered this season believing that they were going to be competitive. They entered this season believing they could win six, seven, eight, nine games. Um, probably not say they probably entered this season. I know this from talking to people. Like they entered this season thinking they were going to win seven, eight, nine games. They did not think playoffs. They did not think Super Bowl. They thought we're going to compete. We're going to be a good team. We're going to be taking a step in the right direction. And next year, once we get this free agent class in here, once we get you know, those two first round picks that Joe accumulated, that's going to be the year that we're rocking and rolling. And we're really going to be, we're going to be doing a lot of good things here. That's what they thought. What's happened. They did not see coming. This has taken Christopher Johnson way back. This has taken Joe Douglas way back. This has taken Adam Gase way back. This has taken everyone in that. This organization is embarrassed. This organization is upset. This organization is distraught. This organization is fed up with what has happened this season. They did not see it coming. And one of the reasons why they are so shocked is because they didn't expect. This isn't like 2017 where Mike McCagney cut Decker and cut David Harris and cut Brandon Marshall and cut all these guys. And it was basically like, yeah, competitive rebuild, you know, pretty competitive rebuild my ass. They were rebuilding, you know, they were going in for all the quarterbacks that were going to be there, the Darnold and the Rosen. They were, they were blowing it up, tanking, and they were going for it. That's not what happened this year with the Jets. They actually thought they were going to compete and they've been taken aback by how bad they are this year. I think it's, they rolled the dice on a lot of moves. They rolled the dice, the dice step. They rolled the dice on guys with Van Roten and McGovern and Fant. They rolled the dice on a lot of these things 
expecting, I think, a baseline that has ended up being significantly lower than what they anticipated. You know what I mean? They thought, is Perryman going to replace Robbie? You know, we'll get similar production. They didn't expect, like, 11 catches in three games. Like, they didn't expect that. They didn't expect, you know, Van Roten to be as bad as what he's been. They didn't expect the secondary with Bless Austin and Pierre Desir to be as bad as what they've been. They didn't expect the drop-off without Jamal Adams to be as bad as it's been. So, you know, they they rolled the dice on some moves, like I said, expecting a baseline, and they got significantly below that baseline, and that's why the Jets are in the predicament. So this was not a team that was intentionally tanking. This wasn't like the Dolphins last year, the Browns a couple years before that, uh, the Jets in 2017. That's not like this. This is a Jets team that just really overestimated what they could potentially be. And and they're in a spot right now because of injuries and poor coaching and all that stuff that uh, there's a very real chance they go 0-16. Um, so Taylor has a response to that, Connor. How did they not see this coming? Everyone else <laughs> saw this coming the yeah, moment they no, hired Adam Gates. Yeah, it, it, yeah that's... That's the tough one. Well, I'll tell you what, they avoided the uh the hand grenade, the cocked hand grenade that is Mike McCarthy. Uh given that, they they avoided that. I mean, holy That's crap. True. Like what the hell is happening in Dallas right now? Like, whew. Oh boy. Um but no, like they avoided that one, but their whole thing like they had like so the Jets went into that whole coaching circle, right? And there was Matt Rule, who was the big name college guy, right? The guy that the the fiery dude. Like that's who they had in in Matt Rule. Cliff Kingsbury Right, the the guy, the brilliant, that was the true brilliant offensive mind. Then you had Mike McCarthy, was the veteran, and then Adam Gase was kind of just like Eric Bieniemy wasn't Eric Bieniemy again. Like everyone gives the Jets flack for not hiring Eric Bieniemy. No one's hired Eric Bieniemy in the last three years. No one, no team, and he's went on a shit ton of interviews, and no one's hired him. So like, it's not just the Jets who passed on this guy. Um, Eric Bieniemy interviewed, Mike McCarthy interviewed, uh, Matt Rule interviewed, Clint Kingsbury interviewed, Adam Gase interviewed. Adam Gase was the like the the one that no, you know, the ugly duckling that no one really wanted to talk about that for whatever reason, the Jets coveted. And, and I remember like kind of figuring out, like talking to people to kind of figure out why they didn't get hired. The reason why the Jets didn't hire Cliff Kingsbury, they actually loved him. The Jets actually really, really liked Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury chose the Cardinals over the Jets in large part because he got to pick his quarterback. The Jets had Sam Darnold. They were not going to get rid of Sam Darnold. The Cardinals gave Kingsbury an option to say, you can keep Josh Rosen or you can take Kyler Murray, who you've worked with, worked with before. You have your option, Murray or Rosen. It was a better option for Cliff Kingsbury. He got to pick his quarterback, put his offense in, and start from scratch with every piece that he wanted. So he was, yes, he interviewed for the Jets job. Jets loved him, but he picked the Cardinals over the Jets. With Matt Rule, they were not happy with the staff that he was putting together. Like They, were, they basically said, who are you going to bring along? And Matt Rule said, I'm bringing all my college buddies with me. And the Jets were like, okay, well, we like you, but we kind of would like you to potentially like have some NFL coaching experience on this roster, not all this. And Matt Rule was like, well, I'm not comfortable doing that, so it didn't work out. Then it came down to Mike McCarthy or Adam Gase. Basically bad and worse. I mean, from from what we've seen with Mike McCarthy in Dallas right now and then also with, with Adam Gase. I mean, Unlike Adam Gates, Mike McCarthy has a shit ton of talent over there, and that team is dreadful. I mean, the fact I, I just I can't believe it. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. The reason why the Jets went with Adam Gates over Mike McCarthy is they did an intense study into Mike McCarthy's relationship with Aaron Rodgers, and what scared the hell out of the Jets was that Mike McCarthy had the best quarterback in the NFL, undeniably talented. He won one Super Bowl, and then that relationship fizzled. Like that relationship went out and fractured and they could not figure out why they did not know why 
he and Aaron Rodgers butted heads. And they were very hesitant to say, okay, you had the best quarterback in the NFL who now doesn't like you, and we're going to bring you in to rear our quarterback. Like, that we believe like they didn't like that. So Mike McCagnan went all in on Adam Gase, and obviously it didn't work out. Now, the Matt Rule thing, should they have allowed Matt Rule to add his college staff? Yeah, maybe that works out. Maybe that's a move they should have done. Cliff Kingsbury, should they have done that? Well, I mean, again, like I said, Kingsbury picked someone else. So it's tough. I mean, the Jets, I think... We're just in a bad position where they interviewed a slew of candidates that just didn't work out. The Kingsbury one, I think, is the one that they wish they got. They just didn't because he went obviously over to to Arizona. He had a chance to pick his two quarter, like he had a chance to pick his quarterback, which he wasn't going to get in the Jets. So it's tough. That's like the one thing I give the Jets a little slack on was the one that I was I was very in the moment on was hire Mike McCarthy. That was me in that moment. I was the go get Mike McCarthy. These guys won a Super Bowl. He has like look what Andy Reid did after he took a break. Go get him. Clear. I didn't think Adam Gase should have gotten the job. Like I was Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy. When they picked Adam Gase, I was kind of in the boat of like, okay, well maybe they know something the rest of us don't. Clearly, that's not what has happened to this point. But I, that's was the one that I was. I was on the Mike McCarthy bandwagon, and that didn't work out. But hopefully, I provide some background for people as far as why the coaching search went the way it did back then. And this year, you don't have to worry about it because Joe Douglas is going to do it all. Joe Douglas is going to run the entire the entire show. Okay, this one is from John. He says, got my attention. He said, Marissa, in all caps, did Marcus May's butt interception break the butt fumble curse? Jets rowing six, dude. They are a <laughs> winless team, like steamrolling towards the top pick in the draft. No curse is broken. Like, there is going to be no curse that is broken until somebody is hoisting a Lombardi trophy in green and white. And that. Okay, and, so and... what was better? What was better? Uh,. I think the butt fumble was so, I mean, it's two different ends of the spectrum. There's also the butt down, right. which was Quincy and Nunn. People forget about the butt touchdown against the Patriots <laughs> that Quincy and Nunn will call. So they've been the butt fumble, the butt pick, and now the butt, or the butt down, butt fumble, butt down, and then butt pick. So like there have been a lot of, <laughs> lot of asses involved here with the Jets here. I mean, they're, they've been rocking and rolling sure with this has. stuff for a while. Um, but I would think that, I mean, they're all different. Like the two are positive. This one's negative. The fact that like Sports Center had to retire the butt fumble from like the not top 10 voting. I think it's going to be, it's going to be tough to ever unseat that one. Like the fact that that literally was so bad and such like an embarrassment almost that they had to literally retire it. I just don't think you're ever going to get, you're ever going to beat it. You're ever going to beat that one. I don't think so. All right. Another fun one. This one from Mike Zimmerman. He says, what kind of alcohol do you recommend? The one that, the one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We went to Monmouth together. Oh yeah. really? Oh. Yeah, my, yeah. Mike and I both went to Mammoth together. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, I knew me and Marissa knew Mike Zimmerman, and we didn't know that you knew Mike. Yeah, Zimmerman. true story. So, so when Connor I was knows everybody as well. Yeah. Yeah, and Marissa also like now we find out. By the way, Marissa's cousin lived with my sister in Italy, which is freaking like <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, yeah. That's, the small world connections here are ridiculous. But yeah, Mike, when I actually was was figuring out where I wanted to go to college, um, I was between like Willie, William Patterson. I looked at Rowan for a bit, looked at Rutgers, and I went to Monmouth. And Mike was actually the guy that gave me the tour around the radio station and the TV station and so all out of Monmouth. Yeah, I did that. He was that the sports director. Yeah, he was the sports director at the time. <laughs> Mike was the sports director. So I met him and like he took me all around and I saw the equipment. I was like, man, this thing's freaking great. And I committed to Monmouth like two months later or a month later or something like that. Oh, and we need a. We, we only were to together for a year. High school, what high school Connor was like on a you college don't need tour. To do that. You know, <laughs> you know, Mike Zimmerman's going to be a guest on the podcast soon. <laughs> 
Yeah, my, we worked, Mike and I, it was tough, though. Like, I wasn't as, the thing that sucked was that, like, when I went to Monmouth, I was not as involved in the student uh, radio station, student TV station, and student paper as I wanted to be. But it was because I was working already. So, like, when I went to Monmouth, I got hired by the Star Ledger. Oh, flex. Yeah. there we go yeah i was working already <laughs> well yeah, that was the, but no but serious like that's what sucked because like i showed up and i was like man i want to be i want to do this i want to do this but like at the same time the star ledger hired me to cover high school sports so my first year at monmouth i was covering high school sports in morris county so like friday and saturday nights where people were doing like the monmouth broadcast i was in morris county like covering high school sports which sucked but it was also a paycheck and then my second year at monmouth was when i started covering the jets for about.com and um the journal inquirer and so like Again, I couldn't be involved in the Wednesday, Thursday, like basketball games or whatever, because I was off at like Florham Park. So it was like tough because I got involved some with like when, unfortunately, when Mike graduated, Mike Zimmerman graduated and then Joe Lacalandra took over another Jets fan. Um, he was the one I, I got to do some broadcast with him and some game stuff with him and host a radio show and all that, which was fun. All right. Well, answer his question. Back to the question. Yeah. Sorry. Totally off the rails. My bad. His question <laughs> is, what type of alcohol do you recommend getting him through the rest of the season? Mike Zimmerman, also a Jets fan. Yeah, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big bourbon guy. I'm a big whiskey okay. guy. Um, love old fashions. I love old fashions. So you can't ever go wrong with that. I also feel like an old fashioned is the perfect one to be like you're sitting down, a little depressed, watching the Jets get their ass beat, and you're just sipping on an old fashioned. Where it's just like, ugh, sip down. So I feel like an old fashioned would be like perfect and you can go with anything like i i mix up what i throw in there i like elijah craig i'll put in there i like um uh red breast is i, I don't make I, I drink that straight i don't put red breast in an old-fashioned so if you want to go with that right i like red breast a lot uh makers is always good for like a quick old-fashioned like nothing wrong with that but I, I would suggest that one i would say rum like maybe that would be a fun one like rum rum makes you fun but i had so many bad <laughs> nights off rum in yeah, college rum, that even rum's bad oh, oh no joke, man. When I graduated college, one of my friends, because they knew that was my drink at college, was rum and Coke or rum and anything we could find. Rum and Wawa. Any Wawa, those old Wawa brand sodas, find that. I had so many bad nights off Captain Morgan. They bought me a massive thing of Captain Morgan. Next podcast, I'll bring it because I still have it because I don't drink it because I can't. It makes me sick. So like in every party we have here, tell, I'll put it out. It. <laughs> yeah, I put, I put out the same damn Captain Morgan. I put it out there. I'm like, somebody please drink it and no one else drinks it either. It's all done. <laughs> But that's good. I would go with I would just go with any kind of whiskey or bourbon you want and you'll be uh, you'll be rocking and rolling and good. Make a good old fashioned. Enjoy it with that. All right. Well, for our final question of the night, it's not really so much so a question, but you know, as many of you guys know, I produce a few shows at The Athletic and oh, yeah. one of them being the Eagles podcast and Connor has developed a little bit of a rivalry with Bo over um, me spending time with one podcast more so than the other. Which so is, this afternoon We had our first <laughs> so this afternoon I was doing an Eagles live stream and on YouTube here and Connor comes in on his uh, athletic can't wait account. We had this computer. Let's hacking. let's leave. Let's let Sheil explain what happened. The yeah. athletics can't wait. Jets podcast says uh, <laughs> hope, they hope Bo finished last in the voting for the uh, award that Zach won. So that rivalry. Yeah, I've always been told not to punch down. So I'm not oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. So for some I... reference there, our great Zach Berman won wonderful award and Connor thought it was funny to chime in that he hoped Bo finished last in the running for the award. But Bo had wow. a nice little comeback there. I'll be honest, like the thing I I the thing about Bo is like I probably should have chose to pick a fight with somebody else. Like I probably should have chose to like go <laughs> after Zach ready. or go with Shield because like 
Bo is one of the more witty and clever yeah. people I've ever met in my life. Like I still talk. I remember I actually talked to Mike McCagnan about like one of the stories Bo when Mike when Mike was still the GM. I talked to him about one of the stories that Bo wrote, and it was he went to the Senior Bowl and I think the Combine, and he did his own like uh, uh, personality test, like a uh, test, like you know, like everyone always talks about like the NFL, like players' personality being like red flags and stuff like that. So he did an entire story. He talked to like fifty or sixty players, I think it was, on airline etiquette. And so he went and he asked every player that like he would go up to the senior bowl and just talk to a bunch of them. He would go through like a series of like 15 or 20 questions asking how they would behave in certain situations. And based off that, they were given a red flag or green flag or passing failing grade. And I remember one of them was like, you have a, a person come up to you and they say like, hey, do you mind switching seats with me? I would like to sit next to my wife. You have the window seat. I have a, I have a middle seat. Will you mind giving up the seat for me? So, so I'll, you go to my middle seat. I'll take the window seat so I can be next to my wife. Will you do that? And so like Bo asked me the question. He goes like, would you do it? And I was like, well, I was like, obviously, if a player says yes, I was like, I'm selfish as hell. I'd say no. I was like, but <laughs> obviously, if a player says yes, that's a pretty good red flag or that's a pretty good flag. Like that's a positive passing grade. Bo starts shaking his head. He goes, nope, it's a fail. I was like, what are you talking about? He gave up his seat. He goes, it means he's a pushover. He goes, can't do that. I was like, that's so it was like the whole thing. And he, he graded all these guys. Out. I mean, he is witty. He's clever. So I was like, as far as me picking fights with somebody over there on the, on the birds with Frey, he was probably the, I have my work cut out for me. So that was like, that was a good line, a good shot. I was, I gotta, I gotta go back to the drawing board and figure out a way to retaliate. That was a good one. You can imagine as I'm reading the chat, like I do for this and I see the athletics. Can't we podcast? Did you start laughing? Because I, I was right before we went after practice. I saw you start dying laughing, but I wasn't sure if it was right when, uh, uh, Zach was given his acceptance speech. So I don't know if uh, if you're laughing at that or if you were, if you saw my line, I made sure too, I switched it because I had my personal account. I was like, no, 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 not my personal. We're going with the athletics. We got to see can't wait infiltration there. We're all friends on these podcasts though. Except all us. Yeah. <laughs> the war the war rages yeah. on alright that's going to do it for us um, great stuff thanks for all the questions hopefully we gave you good answers and lifted the spirits a little bit on this Wednesday night as we head into the Bills Jets game as they try to avoid 0 and 7 if you need a subscription to The Athletic go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast you can join for just $1 a month follow us all on Twitter Connor's at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes I'm at Tim M McMaster and Marissa is at Marissa underscore Morris. Have a great day, everybody.